I don't know about you, but I got warm. <laughs> when he started setting set, set set me on fire, I was like, I'm on fire now. But I have some really good news if you're interested in good news. You tired of bad news? I got some good news. <laughs> we had to, if you remember, this was going to be our love conference weekend with uh, Nicole and Sandra today. And we had to cancel it because Sandra had some health issues. And uh, her health issues have all been resolved. And uh, she texted me last night and we rescheduled for next, week, uh, next year for March 27th and 28th. So we're all, res- we're all rescheduled again, March 27th and 28th, 2021, for our, our love conference with uh, Nicole Marball and Sandra McCollum. And we all know Sandra's <laughs> special, so it's always Nicole. But I'd like to read. That's good. Thank you. And uh, that was excellent. But I'd like to read to you a uh, prophetic word that I received this week from one of my favorite authors. His name is Garris Elkins. Garris is a pastor, was a pastor. He's retired, but he's now in the, he writes books. He's very prophetic. He's, I get prophecies from him sometimes ten times in a month. But this was written just last a couple of days ago. And he said, the winds of change are blowing. The winds of change are blowing. And he says, be careful not to misinterpret what is taking place. Assumptions are not reliable interpreters. Societal upheaval and anarchy and deception are responses of hell to a work of God's Spirit. A new wind from heaven is blowing, and it will uproot uproot everything, even the confidence we have in our ability to discern what is taking place. He said last night a new weather pattern shifted in the valley where he lives. A strong wind announced the change. The sound of that strong wind was so loud it woke us up from a deep sleep to remind us that the weather pattern had changed and a different weather system had arrived. A wind from heaven is blowing through our culture. It is waking many from the slumber of assumption. A shaking of all things is beginning to take place. The moorings linking people to false foundations will be snapped under the wind's increasing velocity. This is the wind of a new Pentecost. It will confront both the culture and the church. The effects of this wind are why we are seeing so much dangerous debris flying through the air of our personal interactions and our online commentary. What stands in the way of the wind of revival and resulting reformation will not be able to withstand the force of the Spirit's wind. Do not try to protect what God wants to displace. The wind will test all things. Let go of everything and allow the wind to test its integrity. What is true and not tied to human preference will remain intact. While the wind increases in its intensity 
in the coming days, only the heart of God will remain a secure foundation and a safe place to anchor your life and your future. Amen. I thought that was a great word for today. So I say, let the winds blow, Lord. Amen. If He's the only source, I'm anchored. How about you? <laughs> I'm anchored in the in the harbor. John, you got that first scripture for me, Zephaniah three. I want to talk about Jesus today. Is that okay? <laughs> I titled my message "Jesus is Your Song of Joy." And gladness. Jesus is your song of joy and gladness. I like to start in Zephaniah. It's right after Habakkuk, Habakkuk, whatever his name is. But Zephaniah, <laughs> chapter three. I think he's got it up there for you. He does. Thanks, John. This is amplified, I think. I can't. You got the C classic. I wanted the the other one, the foundation, not the classic, John. But here we go. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion! Shout in triumph, O Israel! Rejoice, be in high spirits and glory with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, in that day. For the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies, the King of Israel, even the Lord Himself is in your midst. You will no longer fear disaster. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. Verse 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. Who's the one that saves us? Jesus, for there's no other name given under heaven where men must be saved. Amen? And He will rejoice over you with joy. And He will quiet. He will be quiet in His love. Listen to this next. This is the next. I don't know if that bracket's up there or not, but it is in my, my version because there's so many amplified versions today. They keep changing it. But I like this. It says, making no mention of your past sins. Making no mention of your past sins. And He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That's pretty powerful. See, the song of you is sung by God Himself as He rejoices over you with joy and gladness. And it's a beautiful, lyrical song about how your heavenly Father chose you to become His sons and daughters. His holy ones. His blameless ones. His innocent children through the redemption we receive in Jesus Christ. When you ask, when did this happen? And the Bible says and declares this over and over, before the foundation of the earth, it was done. And we are now made the vessels of His glory fully reconciled to God through Jesus and constantly reminded of this by the Holy Spirit. This God song is sung over us while we cuddle up in His arms He's, because He's reassuring us 
over and over again that no matter what we face today, everything will be solved very soon. Amen? And we have hope and trust in the One who created you, redeemed you, and now promises us victory over all things that we face. And in this song of joy that He's singing over you, we see Jesus as our wisdom. And so, in that way that Jesus now lives within us, we too have godly wisdom. In Colossians chapter 2. Let's go there. I don't have that one on the list, John, but... Sorry, buddy. I missed that one. Let's go to Colossians. Right after Ephesians. I know you're there. There you go. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. That's, that's a mouthful. Amen? And it says in verse 10, And in Him, and in Him, in Christ, you have been made complete. Achieving spiritual stature through Christ, and He is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. And then let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 in the Amplified. It says, But it is from Him, in Christ, from God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, revealing His plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God, and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God, and redemption, providing our ransom for the penalty for sin. Verse 31, it says, So then, as it is written in Scripture, he who boasts and glorifies, let him boast and glorify in the Lord. Amen? So wisdom is Jesus. And wisdom is love. And when we embrace Jesus in Him as wisdom and love, you will become what He is. The Bible says we become what we behold as we behold Jesus. He's wisdom. He's love. He's our redemption. He's our salvation. Amen? And in the book of James, it says to us, if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask. Ask Him. You know? I like that, I like that out of the New King James. In Acts, I'm excuse me, in James. Let's go to James. Chapter 3. James 3, verse 17. New King James. It says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Pure, filled with peace, <clears throat> considerate and teachable and always filled with love and is never filled with judgment or hypocrisy. 
So when you receive the wisdom you seek, it is, if, 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 if when you receive the wisdom you seek, if it's accompanied by shame or condemnation, it's not Jesus. Because he says the wisdom we get from Jesus is pure, filled with peace, considerate, teachable, and always filled with love. It's never filled with judgment and hypocrisy. So embrace Jesus and his wisdom and you will embrace wisdom in Christ. But I have more good news for you today. Jesus is our Redeemer. Amen. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 in the Amplified. Galatians chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-mm. 13. <coughs> My body gets all worked up when I preach. <laughs> Just like Luke, Luke did a, a good work up today. It was good. He was excellent. The Holy Spirit was moving on him. That, that's more a blessing to me than his play. But he was excellent. I love the way the Holy Spirit touches us. Amen. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ purchased our freedom. Love you, Luke. And redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs crucified on a tree cross. In verse 14 it says, In order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might also come to the Gentiles, so that we would all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Isn't that powerful? So in the beginning, you and I were deemed worthy by Jesus. Deemed worthy because we were created in His image and likeness. Not only do you look like Him, you are like Him. Amen? He took joy. He took joy in you before creation was ever created. And when He created Adam, guess what? He was thinking about you. Even before the foundation of the world. And when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Father cried out on account of you and I. He shouted through all the eons. He said, I did not create you all for death. So He spent... So he sent part of himself in his son to become the death so that you could become the part of his life. See, our original design was that of a relationship and a bold communion with God. The God of the universe. Whew. I don't know about you guys, I, I could swing from the chandeliers today. He said we're in a new Pentecost. You know? He deemed you worthy the moment He breathed into your lungs and you, even if you fell away, not because of anything you did, but because creation fell with Adam. But Jesus came to redeem us and call us worthy because in our minds we felt far from God and even though He was singing over us since, we, since before we were formed in our mother's womb, it says in Psalm 139. Let's go there. I just love this Scripture. I love Psalm 139, one of my favorite verses. 
How many favorite verses do you have? I have over 81,000. Because there's 81,560 verses in the Bible. <laughs> Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16. He says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed, in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them visible. See, we are His masterpiece. It says, Ephesians 2.10 in the New Living Translation, in the King James it says we are His workmanship, but in the New Living Translation it says we are His masterpiece, His prize. And his, He takes joy when we have joyfulness. I don't know about you, but He gets excited when you get excited. He gets joyful when you get joyful. When you laugh, He laughs. He just does everything you do. It's incredible because He has set us, set us as a seal upon His arm. I've got to read this verse. This verse. You notice I brought three translations up here today. <laughs> Song of Songs. Let's go there. Song of Songs. This is in the Passion. How many have the Passion translation? You should have a copy. It's fabulous. It's a fabulous copy. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. You got that, John? Yes, you do. Beat me, too. I can't get there fast enough here. Should have wrote it out, but didn't. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire. I'm already sweating. Fire forevermore. This living consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. From the burning heart of God. Place this fierce unrelenting fire over your entire being. <laughs> that was happening this morning in worship. I was so blessed by you, Luke. Luke didn't know he was leading worship till last night at 5 o'clock at night. I thought he did a great job. Amen? Take joy in this truth. We are deemed worthy by God. We are deemed redeemed before Adam fell. We were found in Jesus eons before we were ever lost in Adam. God wasn't surprised by the fall. He had a plan before the foundation of the earth. God wasn't about to let you die. He ramped heaven and earth on your behalf. And then this same Jesus provided us full Reconciliation. Full. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 18. 
It says, But all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, making us acceptable to Him, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, so that by our words, no, the Bible says, so by our example, we might bring others to Christ. You know, people need to see Jesus through us. They need to see it. Not only hear what we say, but sometimes our words are, are, are harsh or cruel, but they need to see us living an example of Him in front of them. Amen? So that by our example, we might bring others to Him, it says. And that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation, that is, restoration to favor with God. So we are His ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making His appeal through us. And we as Christ's representatives plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. How do we become reconciled to God? It's simple. It's one word. Jesus. Jesus paid the price. He finished the work. He said in John 19.30 on the cross, He said, it is finished. It's complete. Our Heavenly Father sent Jesus as an act of reconciliation for all mankind to come back into communion with God like we were in the Garden of Eden. You see, when Adam and Eve worked in the Garden, they worked without effort. No sweat. No toil. No striving. And they were in constant relation with God who walked with them in the Garden. Say Garden. It wasn't until Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he worked by the sweat of his brow. And so then, by the way of observation of what they did in the garden, they tended the garden. Oh, by the way, God loves gardens. So if you have a garden at home, guess who's walking with you tending that garden? God loves roses. He, he, he trims his roses. He likes to prune things. In John 15, we find out he likes to prune things. You know, we don't like that pruning because some things have to be lopped off for new growth to come. Amen? But in their garden, in, but in the garden their work was pure. They had no exhaustion, no sweat, no strained muscles, they worked out of the abundance of God's goodness. And now we are fully and utterly reconciled to God so that whatever we do comes from your relation with God and the abundance of Jesus and not your own efforts. Everything we accomplish, Jesus is always running right alongside of us to complete it. That's why we're so good. <laughs> That's why we're so successful. Because He's running with us. Right alongside of us. Every day. He's not just with you here. 
He's with you every day. When you drive in the car, He's with you. Amen? If you're listening to music, He's listening too. <laughs> Bring us to a clearer understanding what brings us to a clearer understanding of the gift of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 and the Amplified, it says, He made Christ who knew no sin to judiciously be sin on our behalf so that in Him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to Him and placed in right relationship with Him by His gracious loving kindness. Amen? See, the good news is that God the Son became our sin and substituted His righteousness for our sin as a gift. I don't know about you, but I've opened that good. Amen? My package is open. I like what somebody posted this week on one of my Facebook groups. He said, Calvary is the cemetery for all of our sins. Calvary is the cemetery for our sins. I like the way you stressed that one verse in that song we sang, I'll never know. I'll never know the cost that you took on the cross for all my sins. On the cross, He accepted you in Him. You became His righteousness and now you are seated in heavenly places at the Father's right hand in Jesus. You're right now. You're in heavenly places. And this is what the Bible calls over and over again the great exchange. You see, the good news is this. Jesus became our sin so that we would become His body. He became our filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6, so that we would become His pure and spotless bride, Ephesians 5.25. Pure and spotless. We are no longer filthy in Christ. Our rags have been replaced with the most beautiful wedding dress we could ever imagine. It's called the robe of righteousness. He gave one to the prodigal son when he came back. You know, when he came back after he spent all of his inheritance, you have to wonder, where did the father get the robe? And where did he get this, the ring? Where did he get it? They were his. He gave the son what was his. Even after he spent all of his inheritance, he still welcomed the son back and gave the son everything he had. So we are no longer sinners. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, saints of God. And then, if that isn't enough, Jesus then becomes our provider. Jehovah Jireh. How many have ever heard of Jehovah Jireh? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 7 through 11. This is where we learn some new things. <laughs> it says in 7-7, seven, seven, I mean what God's favorite number is. Seven, you got it. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given you. 
years ago, back in, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I thought I, you know, I thought I exhaust, exhausted all my asking ability with God for something I, I desired in, in a spiritual way. And God just, when I, and one day in prayer, He just came right up on me. He says, you don't ask enough, son. I said, how much do I have to ask? It's simple, he said. More. I want more of you, God. I want more. That's what we were singing today. Hey, Luke had no idea what I was going to preach. I had no idea what he was going to say. But he was agreeing with everything I'm teaching today. And seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. And keep on knocking. Amen? And the door will be open to you for everyone, verse 8, who keeps on asking, receives. And he who keeps on seeking, finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who is if his son asks for bread, will instead give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a snake? If you then evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how... This is before salvation, okay? Uh, by nature you are, but know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, perfect as He is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking Him? Amen? How many know the, what an acronym is? Everybody know what an acronym is? Okay, it's ASK. What's, what's the acronym for ASK? A, ASK. S, seek. K, knock. It's in your Bible. And then in the book, let's go to the book of James. James chapter 4. In the New King James. Keep switching up on you. Sorry. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, Let's start at verse 1. I don't think you have that one, John, but that's okay. Don't change it. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have. Because you do not ask. Meaning that if we would simply ask for help and what we need to achieve, we would have it in Christ. Amen? You know, you know every time you say amen... You are echoing Jesus. I know a lot of people say it, so be it. It's, I agree with you, so be it. But it's really the echo of Jesus in everything He accomplished and finished for you. Amen? Amen. God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. For centuries and millennia, men have asked for deliverance from the hand of evil. Not that we are actually in the hands of the evil one, because their captivity was mostly, if you study Israel, of course, self-imposed. Because they walked away from the truth of God. And, but because they constantly asked God to send, send Jesus, the Lamb of, of the world, we often ask for things expecting one result, 
but getting an entirely different outcome. I mean, they demanded and begged for a Messiah. Not a carpenter. God sent them a carpenter. They wanted a Messiah. They demanded a sacrifice, so God gave them Jesus. They demanded a warrior, so God gave them the Lion of Judah. Did you ever read about the Lion of Judah? He was a warrior. Powerful. They demanded a king, so God gave them the King of Kings. Jesus became the way to reach the Father. He made the road flat and easy to travel because He walked the hard road on our behalf. And He desires to give you all good things. He likes to bless you. He likes to bless you going out. He likes to bless you coming in. He likes to bless you when you're running. He likes to bless you when you're walking. He just likes to bless you. But sometimes the good thing that He gives you is not what you expect and might not be perceived as good when you receive it. But even so, what the Father would, would ever give His child, I mean, He would never, like it said in that passage of Matthew 7, if you ask for something to eat or you ask, He's not going to give you a snake. Every good, it says in James 1.17, you don't have to turn there, every good and perfect gift is from the Lord, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from the Lord, showing us that Jesus is our refuge. Let me give you this scripture, since Tammy likes scriptures, I'm not going to miss this one. Let's go to Psalm 46. In the Amplified, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and the mountains be shaken and slip into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam And though the mountains tremble at its roaring, God is our refuge and our strength at all times. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have you ever been afraid or hurt and you ran into your room and just shut the door? You felt safe even though only a two-inch thick door between you and the challenge. And you know what's hard? What's what's a hard time looks like? The 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 anxiety and fear and uncertainty. Before Jesus, that was the entire world. See, there was no escape, and the only answer was to take refuge in the bushes and hide behind trees. Because sin came in like a flood, and everyone fell to its desire. But as a result, we hid from God. But then, Jesus came. And he took his, when he took his final breath on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom and ripped in half. And this symbolized the fact that there was no need to hide anymore. There's no need to hide anymore. There's no need to hide anymore. If we needed to, we could have take, we could take refuge in him because God was saying, I am open to you now. Open up to me. In everything, remember, God is your refuge 
and your strength. He is your victory and your banner. Let me close with this final thought on Jesus is your song. Almost done. Only got about 15, 20 more pages to go. Just teasing. <laughs> song, of style, song of songs in the Passion. We'll start in chapter 4, verse 4. I've got so many things marked up here. Oh, wrong page. Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 4. No, um, we see Songs of Songs 4, excuse me, verses 9 and 10. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride, your love is my finest wine. Intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfume praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Ooh, I can't stop. Your loving words are like honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey, for I, I find the promised land flowing from within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. Now think of the corniest romantic comedy you've ever seen. And add to it even more of the rom-com troops you have come to love or hate over the years. But you bag it all up, and that's how Jesus feels about you times infinity. This is how the good, this is how good the gospel of good news is. And Jesus is the image we need to look at. What is the gospel? The gospel of His relentless, unceasing love for us. This gospel tells us how Jesus was taken, has taken you and cleaned you, and how He has perfected you and reconciled you to our Father. This Father was never angry with you. Never. The Father was never angry with you. Never. The Father was never angry with you. Never. But He was always madly in love with you. And He was so in love that He took a piece of Himself and allowed us to kill that part to reveal the length to which He would go so that you and I can have an intimate relationship with Him. Your Bible does say that God hid Himself in Christ. And Christ went to the cross for us. And a part of the Father was in that too. So, Religion, or religion, would have you believe that you somehow earn His love or that you are elected to receive His love while others perish. Religion would put you on a course to do more and have less and feel ashamed wherein the true gospel of Jesus would have you free. Living an abundant life that you otherwise could not have when you were trapped in the chains of a false identity. 
We always talk about people who once were saved and now they're not saved as backslidden. I think that's a false idea. I don't believe that's the issue at all. I believe it's a mistaken identity. They forgot who they were. They forgot who Jesus said they were. And they come back. And they go, wow, where, where was I? It's like the prodigal son. Where, what happened? And he wanted to come back and recite his whole, his whole you know, thing that he composed for his father. And the father didn't... Psh, the father says, let's party! Let's feast! Kill the fatted calf! Let's have some ribeye! <laughs> Get the potatoes! Let's go! See, your identity is Jesus who fully indwells you and you in Him. And in you and me resides the totality of the kingdom of God from your belly flows rivers upon rivers upon rivers of living water. That just, just touch, go here, touch yourself right here. Go ahead, touch it. It's, 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 it's erupting. You want to know where God is? He's right here. He's not out there. He's here. He's within. You are God's address. You are God's mobile home. Where you go, He goes. Amen? And when others truly drink from His river flowing out of you, they will no longer thirst for a life of depravity. And when you drink from it, you will be satisfied in Him as He is in you. See, the Gospel is the song of you. And I, a song written and composed before the foundation of the earth to win you from a life of death and sin into a life filled with light and His love. He rejoices over you with song. Jesus is your victory. Jesus is grace and peace and hope. Jesus is your identity. Jesus is our mirror. The Bible says this is the mirror of God. Amen? Jesus is our light and our goodness and our faith. Jesus is our strength, our drink, our lover, our understanding. Jesus is our faith. It's not even my faith. It's His faith in me. Jesus is our communion, our showbread, our face-to-face. Jesus is our shepherd. And Jesus is our whisper. I'd like Luke to come and the worship team. Kevin and Mike. Amen and amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That was just part one of You Are God's Song. <laughs> a song of joy and gladness. A song of you that is sung by God Himself. As He rejoices over you with joy and gladness. Sue, will you get the communion? We're going to take communion before we close today. We don't take we don't pass the offering anymore. If you want to leave an offering, you just put it right here in this basket. And uh, we appreciate it if you can give. But let the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen. We trust that He's big enough to lead us all. Amen.
Can you say new covenant with me? New covenant. In my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat 
this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Let's proclaim again. Taste and see, the Lord is good. <laughs> I want to lick this cup. powerful. It's so good. That is so awesome. My wife wants to share a few things.
Mephibosheth's father and David, King David. What a picture of what we have today, amen? And then the prodigal. He remembered the divine remembrance of his father's house and how even his servants ate better than what he did and lived better than what he did out in that world. He lost his identity, but guess what? Our father gave it back to him by bringing him the best robe. That, not any robe, the best robe. That robe of righteousness. You see, the prodigal could never earn his way back. He wanted to come back just as a servant because he didn't feel worthy to be a son. But the father said, oh no, you will always be my son. All that he has is ours. He not only gave him that robe to bring back his identity of sonship, which is what Jesus has done for us, right? We can't earn it, beloved. We can't work our way up. We can't work our way back. We just have to receive that best robe. And it's his robe. And it's his identity. And it's his love that paid the ultimate price because that's how much he loved us. So, beloved, start writing some divine remembrances. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your life. It's going to take you from sometimes feeling the ugly of our life. They're going to be gone. And our divine remembrances are going to keep us in union and just face to face with Him. And He's going to show you things. One of my favorite remembrances is when an angel came to me because I was in severe mourning like Hannah wanting a child and a beautiful I, 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 if I saw him today I would recognize him I've never forgotten that beautiful face three piece suit at a gas station came out of nowhere as I got out to stretch my legs and he said to me it was a black man with beautiful Well, your 
reveal your his mysteries in your divine remembrances. He will reveal oh, what is a mystery? It's a revelation that comes only from God. That's what a mystery is. He will reveal mysteries to us in our divine revelation in our divine remembrances. So beloved, start thinking and remembering the divine things that God has done for you in the past. Reenact them like we do at the communion table and it will lift you. You will soar in Jesus' name. it all for us. The divine exchange. He took the dirt from that prodigal. He was in pig slop and he put his clean best robe on us. What a beautiful picture. And he gave him his signet ring of his authority. Wow. It goes on and on. He is but good and nothing but love and not, you know what yes he forgave us of our sins and he paid the ultimate price but he brought us back to our father wow if there's anything <laughs> he made access back and see and fellowship with our Father. 